This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio, and we're going to get started here in just a minute. But before we do that, as we come to the end of the year, I just want to encourage you all to go to practicalshepherding.com and you can access all of our resources that are there. Because we're coming to the end of the year, we would really appreciate it if you've been helped by this podcast or just our ministry in general. You can go to the website and go to the donate button there and give an end of the year gift. That would be really helpful for us. You can also go to the sponsor pastor page and there's a way for you to be able to sponsor a pastor. That's a real tangible way to see where your money goes when you give it. But we would appreciate considering doing that. And uh, we're just excited about talking about it going into the new year and we're going to keep this podcast going if the Lord allows. And and so um, we're going to jump into topic though today as we're wrapping the year. I know we're coming to the end of the, the month of December and we want to talk about a topic that a few folks have written in and asked us about. We know this is an important topic, so we would like to tackle it. And that is, Jim, what is the the relationship that a plurality of, of pastors, elders, you know, should have with each other? So a lot of people ask the question. Matter of fact, I was at a I was at an event recently on a panel and they asked this very question. Should you have co pastors? Should you have a senior pastor or a lead pastor? Should you call everybody the same thing? There's this idea that in plurality that all the elders are to be exactly the same. And so how does that but how does that work out functionally? Is that actually realistic even in in the way that the church functions that even the spirit of it is that we're all equals, we're all have equal influence because that's clearly what the New Testament is teaching about the office of, of an elder in a lot of ways. But we also know functionally it moves in, it, it shows up organically in a lot of different ways. So we're going to talk about that today. And Jim, set us up just with a with a, a text biblically to begin to think about at least this category of elders, what God calls them to do. Well, Brian, I think you find several passages in the scriptures that we would all point to in regard to saying that it is the will of Christ that the church be shepherded by a plurality of, of, of pastors or a plurality of elders. Uh, you find that in Titus chapter 1. He uh, sets uh, Titus there in Crete to set in order the things that remain and to appoint elders Which, in by, every by place. The way, let me interrupt you. The elder and pastor... Same office, the yeah, New so Testament, that's right, right, interchangeable. Just and so, make sure. yeah, and if you want to see a passage that lays that out, go to something like Acts chapter 20. 20. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. Paul calls for the elders of the church. He tells them to shepherd the flock and oversee the flock. And yeah. so you have shepherd, which is a word for pastor. You have elders, and then you have the work of overseeing. So yeah. and you see a, a similar thing in First uh, Peter chapter 5. Just so the to- elders... So again, so elders are addressed. So Acts chapter 20, he calls for the elders. He doesn't just call for the elder or for the pastor of the church. He calls for the elders. Now, when that group of Ephesian elders came, uh, you're going to ask the question, was there among them one who did more teaching or preaching than the others? Was there one who uh, was kind of a chairman of an uh, of an elders meeting, however you want to say it, but somebody who called things to order and somebody who set an agenda and and somebody and this you're going to get into this kind of question is in regard to functionality, somebody who do either to knowledge, gifts, graces. Um, uh, the longevity in the church, whatever the case, that he simply has 
a weightier voice. Now, if you're that man with that weightier voice, we can maybe get into some cautions you need to have. But you recognize that if there's five elders there and they're all talking and they're waiting for you to say something and that when you say something that there is a sense in which, okay, that's probably what we're going to yeah, do. Or, do. Or if you were... Uh, in front of the congregation, and, and the elders were, were helming something that the congregation tends maybe to look over. So uh, I was at a church for several years, and, and one of the elders of that church who believed in both what we call plurality, that is more than one, and parity, who had a doctrine of parity in the parity meaning that all of the elders were elders, they, they were all pastors, they were all shepherds, they were all overseers, they, they were all to have whatever the due respect that is due, uh, the honor, the highly esteeming them in love for their work's sake, they were all gifted, they all had qualifications, whatever, but if there was an elders meeting and one of the younger men or other men were leading the elders meeting, and a, and, a, and a tense situation arose or a very controversial situation arose, you could tell I started going over to the guy that had been there for 40 years. So, so well, let's get mm. into some of that in a minute. But I, I also want to highlight, as you were talking, this, uh, another text came to mind that I think matters in this conversation, and that's in First uh, Timothy 5. Because there is a distinction yes, you, among yeah, an elder that preaches and teaches, yeah. and even that there to be compensation yeah. for those. So... You have chapter five there, so there is a distinction given that there are elders that preach and teach maybe more than other elders, yeah. even though that's the call. That and and Paul even uses the language, the elder that that rules well. Now that that's yeah, that's an interesting discussion, isn't it? To have to then have, and you yeah. go into your elders meeting and say, well, which of which one of us is the one who rules well? Well, I think all of them want to be able to say, well, I hope we all do, yeah, and I hope the congregation says, well, in one sense, you all do, but you also there is a recognition. And, and I think one of them is, and we can talk about this too, Brian, is that where you have you have certainly a distinction of the teaching, preaching, the man whose gifts warrant, not just that he can teach and preach on occasion, but that when people hear him, they think this this gift, if possible, should be compensated and set aside so yep. that uh, yeah, as right. the scriptures command, that he who preaches the gospel should live of the gospel. And that if if those that you are to share in good things with those who teach you physically, you're, you're you're to share materially with those who teach spiritual things, that that's it can be abused. Obviously, it's been horribly abused. I'm not generally worried about it with those who listen to this podcast, but it's been horribly abused by the you know the TBN crowd yep. and the Benny Hins and those types. But you you getting into a situation where. You do recognize that among the, these group, among the elders who are there, that here's somebody who has special gifts that, that hey, if, if all of us should be able to feed the flock, that brother particularly has an ability to feed the flock. Yeah. And we recognize it. The church recognizes it. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's evident and obvious. And therefore, you know, because of that and because of perhaps, again, age and gift and longevity there, somebody who's been there 20 years versus somebody who's been on there for three or four years, where the, the, the older man says to the younger brother, he says, listen, I recognize you're my pastor. I, I, I honor you as my fellow elder. And, and I want in every way function as though, you know, we have similar, we have, we have an equal voice, but even, but that younger man says, yeah, but look, you've been here 20 years, 30 years, 
the congregation looks to you as the whatever you want to, whatever language you want to use, whether it's senior pastor, which is a, a term I have rejected. I, I, I do not use it but, in my own church. I will not use it in my own church. But are you the senior pastor, Jeff? But when somebody asks me that or somebody <laughs> refers to me as that, I will sometimes like try to correct them and say, look, we don't use that term and we don't believe in that. But yes, you know. Yeah. But there's a sense in which, yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm, I am, I am, I am able now to get the senior thing at IHOP. So, well, you know, I think it has to be so attached have to. to. <laughs> so let's get into the distinctions in a minute, Jim. So let's highlight first our backgrounds with this, yeah. because um, there is a, you. You planted a church and you established elders from the beginning, and this mm-hmm. practice of trying to help the congregation see, hey, we're all elders, we're all equals. You, that's what you established from the beginning, it is. right? Okay. So I was in a different context, and I walked into a senior pastor role, one but one pastor, solo pastor, and then deacons mm-hmm. that were pseudo elders but didn't qualify. So you know, and then later I I instituted elders, moved deacons to more of a servant role, and then I actually brought on a plurality of of elders later, and so. Then I was in the middle of that transition of being that that lead guy, that senior pastor, who did have the most influence on top of that, then trying to pull these other men in to to set them up to be able to minister as as elders and people see us as equals and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So just so everybody know, we, we are coming from this from two different backgrounds, but I think I have similar uh, similar convictions about it. Here's the trends I'm seeing though, Jim. I'm seeing more and more pushback in churches. Around the lead guy, you know, mm, that, okay. that you would at the distinction of the lead guy. So, for example, I recently uh, I serve on an advisory board of a church plant, and when they planted, they these two guys who planted wanted to be called co-pastors. All right, and so that and I've seen this trend a lot, lot in the last ten years with plant church plants, especially, is that there's this trend that they want to do all they can to try to make. Those two people feel e- see as equal in the congregation, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of effort made to this. From they they sh- preach the same amount, they l- try to lead in these different ways the same amount, and so I commend the efforts of these. But I'll just put my cards on the table. I I believe that even with the best efforts, I believe you can have a plurality of elders that all the, all those men are elders. Uh, they qualify. They have the ability. They thought the same authority, the ability to make decisions. But what I typically advocate is that that you cannot stop the organic influence to take place within an eldership. Somebody's, and that's why I think First Timothy five is particularly helpful in thinking about this. There's always somebody who's preaching and teaching more, or there's always somebody who's leading more than the other publicly. There's always somebody who's with the people more than another. So a full time pastor and like four lay elders. There's there's just not a comparison in how much the lead guy has the time to be able to be with others. So I I think those are the two things that we want to talk about. So Jim, from first from the just how do you um, how do you work to make sure the whole church sees your elders as all elders, all authority have <laughs> yeah, the same right. authority, have the ability to put you know right. hold each other accountable, push back on one another. What things do you do? Because let me say this first before you answer. You are by far <laughs> the most influential person in your church, and rightly so. You've had this long preaching ministry. You preach the majority of the time. You've been there the longest. You had the, the, the most impact. You've been the full-time pastor there for all these years. 
So you have wonderful elders, but they don't they can't compete with the amount of influence you've had through the years. So what do you do to make sure they all feel like they're of, of having influence in the church? Wow. Well, that's uh, I'm going to have my other <laughs> elders listen to this and see if they agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. All right. So I I'm going to just I'm going to go back just a little bit uh, okay. because we do have some different views on some of this. Yep. I, I think so. One of them is a uh, an exegetical, uh, structural conviction a- aspect. And so, and what I mean by that, exegetical and structural convictions is, do you believe that there are, that there is a pastor and elders and that, so some people have that. So they, they have the view that, well, I believe in a plurality of elders, the pastor is an elder, but the elders aren't pastors. And, right. and so they have, so they have that funk, they have that difference, both in Baptist and Presbyterian circles. And then you have some where you have, all right, I'm the senior pastor, you're the executive pastor, you're the associate pastor, you're the pastor for this and for that. Yeah, and you're they, the youth pastor. And they separate and, yeah, that. Yeah. So you're the you know pastor of vision and preaching, you're executive, you're counseling pastor, whatever. And then you have something like myself. So, I mean, it, it, in, my, in my setting, among my particular, use that term, tribe of Reformed Baptist guys, we were... We were taught structurally and exegetically that if you go to the go to the scripture passages, First Peter five, uh, the the qualification passages, Acts chapter twenty, First Thessalonians five, Hebrews thirteen. These are the primary passages that deal with pastors in the churches and response of people to their pastors. That they're just the elders. They're the elders. They're the pastors. Now, how did all that function? We don't really know. You know, you, you, you ask, okay, how did, you know, was, was Peter the spokesman for the apostles? We, we've probably all said that in preaching, right? Now, Peter was the spokesman for the apostles. There's no one text that says that, but you kind of glean that from that. But you visit a church and, and you know, you say, okay, well, who does most of the preaching? Well, I now have, well, there's now, we have two fully supported pastors. We do almost the same amount of ministry. I probably do slightly more than he does, uh, but in a given year, it's relatively close. Now, if there's a difference, and again, there maybe shouldn't be in this, we have an evening and more, we have a morning and evening worship. We encourage our people to go to both. We kind of view both of them as uh, called meetings of the church, but he generally preaches at night. I generally preach in the morning. Yeah. There's more people there in the morning. And if, and if you want to say in some ways that's more, the, that's the larger slot or whatever. And, and I do the bulk of the morning preaching. Occasionally we flip that, he'll preach in the morning and I'll preach in the yeah. evening yeah. or something like that. So what you have, so you have the structural, but then you have the functional. So those are the, the, the two distinctions I would make. Yep. And, and so functionally you're looking at your elders and, 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 and generally in any team of elders, you're going to find that, you know what, this guy excels in this. So I have an elder that's okay, you know, he is really good at having meetings with people at doing uh, long-term counseling, does premarital counseling, that sort of the thing. Uh, this is the guy that generally, and, and people almost assign them a role, you know, so you say, okay, when somebody's got an issue, they go to this guy. When somebody's got a theological problem, they go to this guy. When somebody's got an emergency situation, they just tend to call. We've never said this. We've never told somebody, look, we're going to slot these. That's not a bad thing, though, is no, it? No, it's not. It's no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's, it's them, a right? recognition yeah. of function. It's yeah. just the recognition that, hey, if, if I have a, 
if I have a practical wisdom issue, say like I'm struggling financially and I need a budget, you know, think biblically and practically, I'm going to go to Charlie. I'm not going to go, you know, Jim's, Jim's not great with numbers. Charlie's really good with numbers. Charlie's got more life experience and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I got an exegetical issue. I'm probably going to call Jim on this. Uh, if, if I'm younger in the church, I'm probably going to call Derek. If I've got a complaint about something, I'm probably going to go to John. You know, it's just kind of the way the things function. And, and that's the organic side we're talking about, is that even with, I believe, even with your best efforts, whether and, and I think calling everybody the same thing and not right. distinguishing that, there's still this organic side that, and it's coming out of the fruit of the ministry of each of those yeah. men. But you asked me, Brian, you know, how did I do this? So again, from the beginning, from almost, almost week two, three that I was doing in the church plant, I preached a series on the church, and I dealt with the leadership of the church, and I dealt with elders, and I dealt with why yeah. there's elders, and why there's a plurality, and why they need to be qualified, and, and all of those things. And so I have sought publicly to demonstrate when I talk about the other men, it's not me and I said, you know, but we, there's a we. Uh, I try to defer to the other elders. You try to give the other elders opportunities to lead things and to showcase certain things and to show to the congregation I'm under these men. I listen to them. Uh, when, you know, I, I listen to them when they preach, and I, you know, I'm there. It's not just that they preach when I'm gone. Yeah, they don't just fill in for me. You know, sometimes, well, who's filling in for you? You know, the idea. Well, my elders, you know, it's not not filling in for me. They're just they're pastoring the flock in the way mm-hmm. that I am. But again, what it, what what happens again is despite whatever your convictions are, functionally. People do view me, and they were to say, well, who's your who is the pastor of Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville? I said I would. I would always say I'm one of the pastors. So every time, if I ever write a bio, Jim is one of the pastors. I don't ever say Jim is pastor of the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville. And, and despite I, I, your best efforts, because I've watched <laughs> you do this, by the way, I've, right. just I want I want to be an eyewitness. I've listened to him many times say I'm one of the pastors right. of this church, and and so he, you have made a really good effort to try to just bring in that equality, sure. but. You know the, but still the amount of influence that yeah uh, because of just your long right, ministry right. in the You're, church right long is, is, is the organic right. side and, of the and I do most of the preaching I get invited you know to go to place I you know, I am the face of the church to other people because uh, I do most of the uh, I have through the years certainly through the years I've done most of the great majority of the teaching yeah. and preaching in the church I'm doing that less now because. Uh, you know, there's a younger man in the church, and who have, I hope will be there in 30, 40 years. I'm not going to be here in 40 years. Uh, yeah. Lord willing, he'll be here in 40 years uh, or 30 years or so. Yeah, he'll be in his 70s in 40 years. It's great, you know. Yeah. So my 70s are like uh, they're right, right in sight. I feel like now, but you know, uh, but, so, but, but, so, but so, so that that's how that just works itself out. Yeah, that's helpful. I, I think so. And as far as how that worked out in my situation is that. When I moved to elders, I'm like six years in, seven years in, and it's as a church that was used to a solo pastor, you know, model. And and I think First Timothy five points to the reality of that the one who does preach and teach yeah. the most not only should be compensated. That's what First Timothy five is talking about. What I think is built into that text is the influence of that person is going to exceed everybody else because they're the one. If the word is what builds the church, what feeds the church, right. the people in the church. It's how you minister to the whole group every week. Yeah, correct. You are going to have the most influence in people's lives. That's if if you're doing what you're if you're being effective in your preaching, that's what I assume is taking place. So one of the things I had to do when we went to elders 
And and again, I I had I knew I had a good bit of influence at that point. I had to step back very intentionally and push these men forward. And that meant letting them lead. That meant having them to preach for me. So when when I preach in the spot where I would typically, you know, why aren't you preach? Well, you know, one of the elders is preaching and putting them the, basically the way I gained that authority and influence in the congregation. I need to allow each of these men to have that opportunity and push them forward. It took a few years. I mean, it didn't happen right away, but I'd say within three or four years of moving to this model that people really started to see each elder as, yeah, I can go to any of these elders and talk to them that all the elders have equal decision-making authority at least. And as they come together, make decisions together. Yeah. There's going to be a, there's going to be certain men that maybe have more influence on a particular conversation in that room. I'll never forget Jim when all I had, I, we were there were five of us at one point. And I remember when all four of my elders overruled me on a decision mm. and two things happened. One, I got mad. And two, when I calmed down, realized that this is maybe the healthiest place we've ever been to Great. because these men overruled me. They were willing to, knew that that was their responsibility, and in the providence of God, six months later, they showed that their decision was right, and I was wrong, actually, Good when for I you. wanted. So, but the point is, is that in that moment, uh, up to that point, I, I realized I carried a ton of influence even in that room to make decisions, and so that's a healthier, that's what I think we want to strive for with our eldership, is that there is, there is equal there is respect and equality in that room among each other and the way you function and the way you make decisions. But what I want to push back on is that, and I just do this gently with guys who just insist, no, we believe we can function in a way that we're all equally influential. We're all equally, you know, have a, a seen to have authority in the church. And I just think organically that eventually that works itself out to where that's not the case. And Do you what, agree or disagree I, with that? I, I think that's probably accurate. I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of situations where that might not be. But I think the the, the problem can come. I mean, the easier thing for me is, again, I'm dealing with this. I'm, I'm 60. My fellow elder's 35 or whatever he is, 34, 35. That's relatively easy to look at. One guy's – I've been there since – you know, he was a year old when I started the church. <laughs> Got a little bit of a head yeah, start so. on him, didn't you? Uh, you know, if I can, <laughs> whenever the senior elder could say, I could have changed your diaper, you know, then that's really, what, what, what can you say after that? You know, but, you know, but, but if you say you have two guys, buddies in seminary and they both have an equal vision and they start this church together. What, what I'm concerned about is what happens when, because, well, if you, if you ask them in their heart of hearts, you know, they were talking to their wives afterward or whatever, and, 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 you know, both guys think that they ought to be that guy. Yeah. So this is, this That's is, this is what happens. That's this a is problem. very often what happens. Yep. Is that, and both their wives think they ought to be that guy. Both of them think they ought to be that guy. Maybe the congregation is split on that. And so there, there's a, there's a problem. Generally though, the congregation is going to make it known. And, and, and that is that, uh, there is a response to the teaching and preaching ministry. Of the one It's rare that you're going to have two guys of equal gift in the same congregation. Well, what I've watched in, in, happen in those settings is that the one guy usually it takes a few years, two, three, four years, but usually somebody rises to the top. Yeah. Just naturally, it happens, and a lot of times the other guy notices it. But okay. 
Um, yeah. But in, there are cases where, yeah, like matter of fact, I just got asked this this past week that in regard to a guy who's planting a church and trying to think about what his leadership team and he's, you know, he was been he had been encouraged to, you know, do I find a, a co elder, a co pastor to go with me and do this and. He was just asking my opinion. And I, again, I think the spirit of it is a good thing to pursue. But I think practically, uh, if you, two guys like to do what you just said, two guys who go into it who want to be a lead guy, but want to share that with somebody, uh, a lot of times that ends up going badly. It takes a few years for it to work itself out. But, but a lot of times I, I find, I usually encourage a guy that there needs to be a lead guy who would take a, you know, would have, be able to have pastors go with him. And I also experienced, Jim, being a clear lead guy and felt like that we worked hard as a church organically and functionally to to be equal and the church see us as equal in those ways. I do think that is possible, but but I just believe that the first among equals is going to naturally happen even right. if you fight against it. So, yeah, so what we're arguing for, I think, essentially is the same thing, that we're, we're there, there, is a, there is a structural and exegetical parity, but there is a functional and practical distinction that is either going to be, like, really going to work itself out in some way publicly where you say, you know, this guy's the chair of the elders or this is the senior pastor – or where you assign roles, publicly assign roles, where all the elders, but if you have this need, we're actually going to encourage you to go to this guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, so as you say, okay, Brian, look, look, Brian cannot do all the emergency counseling because Brian is doing the bulk of the preaching. Mm-hmm. And to do the bulk of the preaching, that means he has to spend X amount of time in the study. Pastor so-and-so does not have that same role. And so if you have that need, you should go to, you know, you can go to so-and-so. I think some of that can be wise because it helps set a righteous expectation mm-hmm. among both the leaders and the people that publicly acknowledges the simple reality of what is, that this is how this functions, and uh, this is the one you call for this, this is the one particularly assigned for that. We all work together. Because my joke is, uh, I say joke, it's not really a joke, it's a statement that between the four of us, we make one pretty good elder. Mm-hmm. And, and that is to say that each of us have different gifts and different functions in the church, but all of them allow the church to be shepherded and to be fed. And that's a good, really good point. What's going to happen, I think, though, again, organically in that is you're going to tell the church, hey, if you got a need, this kind of need, go to this guy. And then you're going to have some church member sheepishly come to you and go, so I know you said that I'm supposed to go to this guy, and I, I understand why, but I'm coming to you even though I know you're a train wreck you know, financially, I trust you. So I'd still like to just talk to you as my elder. Like that's going to I'm not saying you're a trainer. I'm just giving that example. Right, right. Like so, th- there I'm is just ignorant. There, man. there is it's almost like I know you're not the guy to go to this, but I'm coming to you anyways because I trust you the most. Right. And so there's just going to be those kind of things right. that 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 happen. So let me mention one th- one way we tried to uh, accomplish this balance. Every person in our church, every elder in our church, to be affirmed, had to engage in some more form. Uh, the task of ministering the word and shepherding the flock. Every single one of them, they had yeah. to. They had to do that to qualify. I know that's true in your church as well. But then in that room, when the elders met, we really tried to highlight: all right, who's who's gifted in this area? Who's gifted in this area? And some of when especially if it's a lay elder and you got five hours to give the church. Well, 
we want that guy to engage in the area he's most given to. So even though you're talking about go to this elder if you have this need or, or that need, a lot of times it's linked to how they're gifted most and how they'll thrive serving as an elder. So we've kind of had this, everybody has to serve in these ways because that's qual- what qualifies you as an elder. But to try to utilize the gifting in this room, we try, we've try. we tried to to f- appoint roles to each one of these elders to fit that. It's some, similar to what you guys have done? Yes. Yeah, so I think I think that's the balance with this is seek the equality, you know, acknowledge the equality publicly, seek it out. I think that where this really shows up though, Jim, this, this is the last thing I'll say on this is is decision making. You know, I, I think you can't change the influence that one man has yeah. over another and those kind of things. And but I think is there is there one guy in the room pulling all the strings and everybody's and, and the other elders are just yes guy to that one guy. Mm-hmm. Or is there truly, true plurality in my mind is in, you see it in decision making, that we all respect each other's opinion, we'll push back on each other. As I mentioned, this the group can overrule anybody for the sake of the flock. Correct. So, so and, we, and, and I want to say yeah, real quickly, Brian, because you know if and if you recognize you're that guy, and I do recognize. I mean, I, I think I'll publicly say. It. I mean, I'll, I'll say it publicly sometimes. I generally say it in an elders meeting where I say to the guys, "Listen, I want you to." Fi- I know how you guys view me. I know look, I was here before any of you. I've been doing this longer, blah, 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 blah. But you guys have to feel free to confront me. You guys have to feel the freedom to stand against me if he feels the good of the flock. You, you have to speak your voice. Don't apologize for not agreeing with me. Mm-hmm. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for the church that we work this out. You have to You have to believe that you have to state that you probably have to restate that many times if you realize that functionally you're that guy with that voice that's good one final thought i would have is as the the appointed lead pastor whether you or was me uh we have a responsibility to work hard to submit to our other elders because if there's something we really want and we know we have the influence to maybe push for it i've watched a lot of guys sabotage their own elders because they just want what they want yep and I think if you're the lead guy, you know you're you're the guy that Jim acknowledged he is, though though he has fought against. I've watched for many years. He's <laughs> clearly that guy. I was that guy in my church. If you're a lead pastor in your church, that's probably you're probably that guy. We have to work hard to submit to the other men who ha- should have equal and do have equal say and authority in the church, and that's really how that balance gets captured. So, Jim, we want to wrap the episode. Would you pray for those who are trying to seek this balance? Yeah, sure. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the scriptures that lead and guide us and your spirit and providence that also uh, help us and to try to determine and understand your particular will for our particular churches. And Father, do pray you'd help uh, whoever is listening to this in whatever way in which they function in leadership in the church to uh, have the humility uh, to recognize their particular gifts and graces and to labor together for the good of the flock. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.